Hello and welcome to an undisclosed location. This is Murder Incorporated. I am Buddy. And I'm Harley. And here we are in good old England. We, uh, we got a... Uh, that doesn't sound right. Perfect. It was perfect. We got a, uh... That doesn't sound right at all. No. That's why it's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I'm leaving this in, so you better just go. We got a, uh... Um, psychopath who's, yeah. you know, yeah. his, his, uh, his taste in women is, shall we say, a little bit perverted. And, yeah. uh, he just committed his first murder that we know of, or did he? Is the question. And another one who we haven't found out what's bad about her yet, but I think we're going to start now. So with that, terrible introduction, but that's okay. Or intro, I should say. Terrible intro, but that's okay. Here you go, Harley. What do we got? I just want to say, I think it was perfect. <laughs> I didn't. I really think I just, I really, every you, time you do it, it gets better and better. Usually I script it, but that one was just like. <laughs> oh, that was amazing, buddy. I thought you did, were reading a script. It was so good. I didn't, I thought you were reading something. It's really good. Anyway, here we are with um, <laughs> Fred West and Rosemary West. Where did we leave off, buddy? I believe Rosemary is just coming back into the picture. Yep. That's right. So, very quickly. Rose leaves home to live with Fred. Okay. And at this point, like, Fred is a lot, because of his legal troubles and everything, has lost the children, but Rose is like, we'll get them back. Okay. Because they're going to live together as a family, buddy. So he gets these girls all to think that they're going to be like a perfect family. Yeah, exactly. He's a very, he's a master manipulator. Master manipulator. It's perfect. So at first, Rose was happy. To have two two little girls to wash and feed. But soon she's like, ah, these kids are so much trouble, you know what I mean? That's how I feel with my kids. They're great at first, and you're like, oh, man, these kids. Yeah, exactly. They're good for about <laughs> a day or two. So, like. I joke. I love my kids. It was also, like, a child looking after children. You know what I mean? Exactly. How old is she? 13? Fred had nothing whatsoever, buddy, to do with their care. No, okay. You know, he always no. left it up to the women. Of course. Why would he put any fatherly love into his yeah. family and whatnot, you know? Yeah. Like, it was up to her to look after the kids. Okay, you know, I said that. So, yeah. after a few months living living there, Fred decided that they should move to another caravan site. So, where is Serena? This is one of the times where she's gone. Okay. So, or something happened, and I didn't write one or the other. So... No, I'm just kidding. Fred, faced with the enormous problem of becoming a mother at 16, mm-hmm. now she's pregnant. Oh, she's, oh, she's pregnant now. Okay. So, but she like she was really confident about this. Like she thought that it was going to be good and that she'd be fine to take care of a kid. So she wouldn't even take her mother's help. Like she just really, oh really, you know. But she did push Fred to get them into a proper house. Okay, and. Now she's finding it, like, really difficult to cope with these children. Charmaine, in particular, who didn't take kindly to being told what to do, you know what I mean, mm-hmm. by somebody that was only 10 years older than her. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. I can't even imagine that. And the, the thing is, is that, so this is a six-year-old, mm-hmm. a 16-year-old with, you know, that is, like, at the same level as her intelligence-wise, yeah. is taking care of her. So she knows this, so she's like, come on. Yeah. You know, I don't blame her. I don't blame her either. Mm-mm. 
because of this tension, okay, because of this tension between them, Fred sent Anna Marie and Charmaine to live with foster parents oh, really? in Tewksbury. Maybe that's a good thing. Yeah. Although, they were soon back again. Jeez. Okay. Rena. You forget about Rena, buddy? Come on. I forgot. I, I already forgot about her, right? <laughs> Rena reappears the following month. Okay. Demanding that the children come back to her. See, I don't know who... Like, I I don't feel like Rena's that bad. Like, she hasn't really done anything. She, she, I mean, she killed a girl with him, probably. I mean, she probably did, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, that's all we really got. Like, she... <laughs> just one murder is not too bad in this story. <laughs> well, yeah, but we don't have, we don't have uh, facts for it. No, I know. You're right. Um, is she the one that was burglary? Stealing? Yeah. Okay, then maybe she's, you know, she's, she's a little messed up. I take that back. It's it, The thing is, is that, like, every story you hear about these girls is that... They all had daddy issues, right? They all had something wrong, like either intellectually or emotionally, um, you know, handicapped. So Mm -hmm. intellectually, intellectually, you know, or or just emotionally handicapped. You know what I mean? Like, oh yeah, 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 absolutely. So it's like really sad that they thought that they finally met the man that would change their life and get them out of there. And then it's like the opposite. Yeah, he ends up being a psychopath. Yeah, it's so sad. Okay, so Rena's back in the picture. And now, Rena meets Rose. It's weird, like, Rena didn't even care about her own relationship with Fred now. Okay. And their marriage is effectively over, you know what I mean? It wasn't, Mm -hmm. but it was, you know. Her only concern is that he didn't hurt the kids. Mm -hmm. But she, Rose was so good with him, you know. Okay. So she leaves the kids with them, okay? She thinks Rose is good with the kids. And then she leaves again. Mother of the year. Yeah, she's like, oh, my six, yeah, this six-year-old's good to take care of my kids. Who the hell, was, who the hell would think that? But, and Fred had custody, you know, at this time, so physical custody. You know. Right, right. Guess what? Fred finds a house for Rose and the children to live in. Ah, uh, nice. And in June 1970, he led his family to the city of Gloucester. Okay. This would be their home for the next 24 years. Oh, okay. Dun, dun, dun. Someone tells me it's not a good home. They moved to Cromwell Street. Okay. And it was like a, not a scummy neighborhood, you know what I mean? Like, probably like, not middle class, in between middle class and, you know. Lower middle class. Lower middle class, yeah, exactly. And a lot of laborers, you know, that type Uh of thing. Blue collar area, kind of. Yeah, yeah. And Fred was friends with the owner. They were buying a house from, like, rent to own, you know? Okay. But they had a lot in common because they were both, like, he was a Polish immigrant. And so, like, you know, he was on the outside and Fred was a, you know, a horrible rapist. So, he was on the outside. So, they, like, kind of had that in common. (laughs) Yeah, that makes sense. You know, like, they just were outsiders. Are you comparing Polish people to rapists? No, no. (laughs) I'm saying in the time they're outsiders. (laughs) I mean, all right. So. I hear you. you. Thank you, buddy, for that. Thank you. (laughs) Fred and Rose moved into the ground floor, okay. which had a small living room facing the road, a bathroom, a kitchen, and bedrooms. Two bedrooms. I think, yeah, two bedrooms. And they had a cellar, which is important. And it was like back in that day, your house would be cold, warm back cold, and then your cellar would you always have a cellar mm-hmm. because you need somewhere for coal, you know. Yeah, that makes sense. And they're trying to buy this place, right? Mm-hmm. So they're renting to Owen. Rose and the children needed to be provided for. So Rose, or so Fred decides to do petty thefts. 
petty crimes. Of course, you know. Don't get a stable job. Just, you know, steal. Yeah, basically. He went to work as a fitter for Castile Tires in Cheltenham. Okay. Okay. It was, like, very hard work Mm -hmm. and not good pay. Gotcha. So, one day, he told his boss that he was delivering an order of five new tires. Instead, he took them. He later left the tire fitters and went to work for his landlord. Okay. And just like he did in the caravan park, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, he would do uh, various jobs at the houses. Okay. I mean, this guy's stealing from, like, every one of his employers and whatnot. Yeah, he does. He's got to have, like, no references. <laughs> he definitely I didn't think about that. <laughs> no matter what, he's not getting a job in a good place because he probably doesn't put anything down as a resume. <laughs> in early autumn, Rose gave birth to her first child. Okay. A girl mm-hmm. they named Heather Ann. Okay. She was born at the Gloucestershire Royal Hospital. On the 17th of October, 1970. So, it's okay. not that long ago. No. She was a pretty baby, they said, you know. She looked more like her mother than her father, thank God. Okay. Rose refused to breastfeed her. Really? Yeah. She said, no, 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 no breastfeeding. Okay. Well, some people can't do it. And Rose, I could say, at this time, I'm just saying, Rose did try and be a good mother. At this time. Okay. The simple fact that Rose was, you know, 16... Should have brought, like, social services there, but it's so weird that it didn't, like... And this is right at the time where social service became a thing. Yeah, I was wondering 1967 is when it became a thing. In America? No, here. Okay. So, that's like, you know, I don't know. You just think an underage person, they would always, like, something would, a bell would go off somewhere, you know? You'd think. Yeah. Is there statutory rape over there, or...? It, yeah, I, I don't know about statutory, but it's, you can't. Have sex with a minor, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, it's so weird. Like, even the police said later, they don't understand how nothing happened at this time. Like, he should have been arrested. Yeah. So, just how Fred, just as Fred, was wondering how he's going to afford his family. Mm-hmm. Costco Tires discovered that Fred's order of five tires worth over $50 was not a real order. <laughs> okay. He was arrested and charged with theft. Enjoy. Before the case was heard, Fred was called before Gloucester magistrates and pleaded guilty to four motoring offenses, including stealing Frank Zygmitz, his landlord's task disc. Oh, really? He blamed the offense on Rena. That's pretty smart, actually. And she said he said that she stole the discs. So now the full weight of the law is coming down to Fred. Mm-hmm. So he's jailed for guess how long? How long? 24 months. Three months. Three months. Wow. I was way off. <laughs> and got a six-month suspended sentence. And this is in August of 1969 for stealing fence panels from a building. God. Can you imagine? This guy's like a mess. <laughs> He's just stealing everything. But so it, all in all, with the court ended up being like nine months in prison total. Okay. A few weeks later, on New Year's Eve, 1970, Fred was taken from his cell to be tried for the the tires. Okay. Once again, he pleaded guilty and blamed Rena. That's so <laughs> messed up. <laughs> Rena made me do it. He said, I was, with, yeah, he said <laughs> I was with the children when, when this happened, he said. And that he's no longer with that thieving Rena. <laughs> so now he's like, oh, that's God. what he said. He's with Rose. Oh, jeez. What an awful man. The judge didn't buy this. 
So much so that he gave him an extra month for lying. Because he's like, this is so bullshit that I'm giving you extra time. Good you know? for him. Rose is home with the babies, right? Mm-hmm. When all this is happening. So she's got the children. She's 16, or now probably 17 years old. Yeah. She's got the children, and Rose, or Fred is in jail. Yeah, so it's her three kids. So Rose is pretty pissed that Fred's gone. Mm-hmm. So what does she do? She turns her pissed offness at the children. Of course. She didn't have, like, the strength, like, to be, command the children's love or respect. It's weird that she stayed with the other two children, though. Like, wouldn't you think the custody would go to the mother? I don't know. I guess the mother's not not to be found or what? Well, she's like, yeah, she's not to be found, exactly. So, I mean, you'd think that they'd say, well, we can't leave the kids with a 16-year-old. Yeah, yeah, right? You know, (laughs) maybe she's 17 now, but still. There's red flags everywhere. Come on now. I mean, this was talked about later in that, you know, they said, we dropped the ball. You know what I mean? So, we should have intercepted this at this time. Yeah. So, it was like a big deal, you know. Mm -hmm. Big embarrassment to them. Yeah, I can imagine. Charmaine would try and help her, taking care of her half-sister. Okay. It was just a mess. It was just a complete mess. Their childhood was so chaotic that Anna Marie could barely remember what Rena looked like. That's oh, it. really? Wow. And despite the terror they both faced, Charmaine and Anna Marie were not particularly close anyway. She said that Anna Marie said later, it was just like there's a void between us. Mm-hmm. Which that happens in, in households with abuse mm-hmm. and neglect. Those bonds that you're supposed to form don't happen. Yeah, I can you imagine. know. Not all the time, but you know. Yeah, I, I feel like sometimes it grows stronger. That's it for uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Rose and Charmaine though just did not get along. Mm-hmm. Anna Marie said she could tell. Charmaine just like didn't like her and would antagonize her because she's only you know a couple years older than her. Yeah. And Rose would beat her. So she said this time she starts beating him. Anna Marie said it was frightening. It was really frightening. She that's yeah. all. Like she was. That's oh, awful. A monster, like an actual monster. Oh my god. The kitchen, or the children were in the kitchen one day when Rose decided that Charmaine was taking too long. So she grabbed a cereal bowl from the, the hand, from her hand and smashed it overhead. Oh, God. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's like, don't oh, my kids God. go to school with these bruises and stuff? Like, don't, I don't know. Like you said, they dropped the ball. Yeah, they really did. Like, this is so sad because it went on for so long. They totally could have had this. Oh, my God. I guess, I mean, they... Both the parent, the, both yeah, both their parents, Rose and Fred, both saw abuse all their life. So it's kind of like this is what we do. This is what we do. Yeah, that's exactly it. Anna Marie said that Rose always seemed to be telling Charmaine off and like frequently accusing her of being guilty of whatever. Mm-hmm. But no matter how cruelly she was treated, no matter how much she beat her, Charmaine refused to cry. That's a bad sign. Oh wow! Yeah. She told Anna Marie that if I cry, it's just like I'm letting her win, so I'm not going to do it. So the family upstairs, at this time, you know, it's a department. Giles' family upstairs were eating breakfast. Mrs. Giles realized that they had run out of milk. Tracy, their daughter, was sent down to the to the bottom apartment to ask Rose if she could spare a cup. Uh-huh. The little girl, excited with her errand, ran down the stairs without knocking. Ran in to open up the door of the kitchen. Uh-huh. What she seen was Charmaine was standing on a kitchen chair, her hands behind her back, with the wrists crossed and tied together. Oh God! With a leather belt. Rose had a long wooden spoon in her right hand, 
which she, she could tell she'd obviously been beating her with her. Yeah. Anna Marie was standing by the door, like, dead to the world, she said. You know, like, not dead, but, you know, like, her yeah. face, her expression. Yeah. It's crazy. And Anna Marie said, like, like that's how it would go. They'd tie, tie her up, beat her with a spoon, poor or girl. tie her to the bed and beat her with oh, a spoon. Poor girl. Tracy went upstairs, very worried, and told her mother what she had seen. So the lady's like, "What's going on, Rose?" But Rose was didn't embarrass, was not embarrassed uh-huh. or apologetic. So she's punishing Charmaine, to, so that she'll stop being naughty. And they bought that, huh? And that was okay. She ruled Anna Marie and Charmaine with a steel rod, but Charmaine, it was rebellious, like I said, and. Mrs. Giles said that she could see that, you know, like she, when they were around them, you know, that she would antagonize her mm-hmm. and like to get beat. Well, not that she wanted to get beat, but you know what I mean? Like she had no respect for her whatsoever. Yeah. Everybody knew that her and Charmaine had problems. Mm-hmm. Remember this. Rena is like gone, you know, Rena is nowhere to be found. She is doing sex work in Gloucester, or not Gloucester, um, Scotland, you know. Mm-hmm. So she's not doing much better for helping the kids, you know. Mm-hmm. And Rose had said that she had had enough of Charmaine. She was at her end. And she couldn't wait to get rid of her. Uh-huh. Oh, God. At 6.50 p.m., March 28, 1971, Rose took Charmaine to the, the hospital. And it was six days after her eighth birthday. How sad is this? And she had a puncture wound in her left ankle. This has neither been an accident or in retrospect. Rose had gone too far in an attempt to correct the child. That's what they say now. Yeah. It's like, obviously, what are you guys yeah. doing? Oh, God. Don't forget there's a hero in this story, though. I think she's a hero. One might have thought that this injury was a little odd, but not them. They're like, eh. They didn't think it was that. <laughs> they were just like, oh, well. They said that their excuse was that. Like, there was no connection for, like, if somebody comes in hurt, that to go to social services yet. They had not been. That gotcha. communication was not there. Okay. They never knew. Social services, CPS, the Silent Protective Services never knew. After months, without hearing from their wonderful daughter, Rose, Bill and Daisy decided to visit. They took their younger children, Graham and Glennis, along and were all blown away about how disgusting this house was. Uh-huh. Like... The f- it's so nasty. Like, so nasty. Like, she just couldn't handle this at all. Not at all. And, you know, her dad, who's like an army drill sergeant, was like, what are you doing? He said, I wouldn't let my dog live in this place. And Rose was really pissed. Daisy knew that Rose was having a hard time. Uh-huh. Not because the house is, well, the house is trashed, uh-huh. but she could see it in her face. You know, it's her daughter. Uh-huh. And her dad's like, I want to know what's going on. You know what I mean? But Rose, who was also at this time, like, thin and, like, not showered, nothing. She did told them that she was happy. Oh, really? Yeah. She said that the only problem is Charmaine. Mm-hmm. Because she would wet the bed and stuff like that, you know. Yeah. Of course she's wet in the bed. She's terrified. Yeah, right. The family was surprised to find another baby crawling around in dirt. For Rose had never told her parents that she had given birth to Heather. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> oh, so, who's this kid? Oh, I had him. Or had her. Now they met their new granddaughter for the first time. Wow. Daisy, her mother, made two more visits and on one occasion was surprised to discover 
that Rose had gone out leaving Charmaine completely on her own in the house. Oh, jeez. you imagine that? <laughs> How old is she? Like seven, eight? eight? An eight-year-old. Oh, my God. And at this time, like when Rose, so Fred's in jail still. Mm-hmm. They're writing long, passionate, romantic letters to each other oh, really? the entire time. <laughs> like, that's so crazy. Want to hear one? All right. To my darling. What was you on about at the beginning of your letter? I just can't make it up for trying. Hey, love, that's great. Three more visits. It'll take up half the time I've got to wait for you. Blinking base people get on my nerves. Darling, about Char. I think she likes to be handled rough. But darling, why do I have to be the one to do it? I would keep up for your own sake if it wasn't for the rest of the children. You can see Char coming out in and out. And I hate it. Love, I don't think God wanted me to go to that dance, because I didn't go after all. Darling, I think from now on, I'm going to let God guide me. It always ends up that way anyhow, as you may know, in parentheses. Ha, ha, ha. Oh, love, about our son. I'll see the doctor about the pill, and then we'll be safe to decide about it when you come home. Well, love, keep happy, longing for the 18th, your ever-worshipping wife, Rose. This letter... Is like you can tell that she's very, very, really good writer. First of all, oh yeah, really yeah. good. Yeah, very good. And it's kind of sad yeah. in a way. Yeah, you know what I mean. It like really it, is, it's yeah. funny, but it's kind of sad. I mean, it's funny because she's evil, so I don't care. Yeah, but <laughs> like it's sad. You know, like this woman. Obviously, you can't put two sentences together. You shouldn't be with three kids yeah, in a house exactly. left alone. You know, I agree, hundred percent. Yeah, it's really sad. You can see that she's tired of taking the responsibility for Charmaine. Yeah. And the other children she is too, but just not as bad, you know. She very much loves Red. She very yeah, much loves Red. And like, this is one letter, but there's other ones I could have put on there that are longer and like, you yeah. can't make sense of it at all. Like, mm-hmm. his, his too. I'm not trying to say she, his two are bad. Are they? I mean, you can understand it a little better, but it's like wicked. You know, grammar's not right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like when somebody tries to write how you'd say stuff and it mm-hmm. comes out like, and it's like an English writing, so you know we don't really. Yeah, it's a good point. We speak American, so it's hard to. <laughs> we speak Americanese. Americanese, as you can see in the letter, she is pregnant, and assume the baby would be a boy. She's considering getting an abortion. Well, the closest abortion doctor is in the hospitals, so. or is in the yeah, person, really. So. And because there's no record of a baby having been born in 1971, or oh god, yeah, it seems that that's exactly what she did. Yeah. It's weird that she talked about him, though. Yeah. Yeah, that is weird. On May 7th. I mean, I, I, I can't, can't say that that kid's probably better off, because he probably is. I know, it's sad to say that. Yeah, you know, but, it really is, but it yeah, really, rather, if rather you really think about it, yeah. wait till you see all the stuff they do. It's unbelievable. Yeah, rather than going through the torture of what the other kids, I'm assuming, you are going to go through. I mean, we're, we're literally, like, between the other episode and now, like, two hours in, and I haven't even touched, started on, like, when these two really get fired up. Oh, great. Like, Fred would, oh, my God. Fred would write, like, nasty letters to her and stuff, like, and, like, she would take pictures and, like, try and get them to go to him, you know? Mm-hmm. But it's, like, later on, they said, oh, yeah, she was sending nude pictures all the time. Yeah. At this time, Fred made her a jewelry box. Oh, how sweet. A wooden heart. Oh, that is sweet. So, here's a letter from Fred to Rose. This one's good. This one's good. It's not good, but it's good. Darling, be at home Tuesday for your table. We'll be coming. 
Oh. Mm. So be at home all day until they come. It will be in the morning. If thy do come, then come see me. But don't come to thy come, darling. <laughs> darling, you got to write again. Darling, your caravan is at the prison gate for you. I have put your assisted visits forms for the 18th, 19th, and for the 15th of June. Well, it won't be long for the 24th now, darling. So get the pill if you if you want it, or we'll be a mom for a son. My love, your has you say from now until forever. Oh, my God. What does that mean? <laughs> oh, I think it's worse than hers. <laughs> darling, will darling, until I see you all my love, I, I send you, send to you your ever-worshipping husband, Fred. He spelled his name right, though. That's so that's good. <laughs> oh my god, I can't even imagine the handwriting on that. Can you imagine being like the person guard having to read this crap? <laughs> what is this? But, is, this more, is this some type of code? I mean, he did decorate the letter with the words for Heather, Anna, Shar, for Rose, and a number of crosses and right. X's and O's. Then he wrote, and more, a hundred more, Mr. and Mrs. West forever. Hmm, how sweet. Pretty good, right? Yeah. He's a regular old Shakespeare. Yeah. Rose, Anna Marie, and Charmaine made another visit to the prison on June 15th. And Fred told Rose excitedly that he might be granted parole in a few days. Oh, really? It was on a day shortly after the visit while Fred was still in prison that Charmaine went missing. Oh, really? Like the girls would usually walk to the school together. Mm-hmm. But one morning, Charmaine was kept back by Rose, and while Anna Marie was at her lessons, Rose murdered Charmaine. Oh, my God. Oh. Rose has never said what she did that day, but the explanation is not too difficult to imagine. It's awful. It seems like more than likely that she finally lost her temper Yeah. with that sad eight-year-old who oh went to bed at night and dreamed of being rescued by her real mother. How awful. The girl whom Rose could not wait to get rid of. And who had already been to the hospital with a curious injury. It seems likely that she lost her temper, either beat her, battered her, or stabbed her to death. Oh my god. The child that liked to be handled rough. After the murder, Rose began to face questions about what happened to Charmaine. Yeah. Questions which would be asked again and again and again and again and again until they were ultimately asked in a crown court. They started that very day, the day she went missing, when Anna Marie returned home from school and wanted to know where her sister was. Mm -hmm. Rose already had the story prepared. The same story she would tell friends and neighbors, family, and the police for the next 24 years. Oh, God. What story was this? She told Anna Marie that while she was at school, Charmaine's real mother, Raina, Mm -hmm. Raina, right? Raina? Raina. Raina had come to the house and taken Charmaine away to live with her in Bristol. Oh, really? Anna Marie was happy for her half-sister because she knew she had wanted to go back to her her real mom anyway. Mm-hmm. And she thought that, well, now that she's gone, because she was the problem, child, mm-hmm. that maybe, this is Anna Marie saying, that maybe the smacking and the hitting would stop for now. Mm-hmm. Someone tells me it doesn't. And she said that she was happy for Charmaine, you know. Yeah. Really happy for her. Like, yeah, absolutely. So, the police don't check with Rena? No. 
So a variation, this is like a flimsy story, but it was good enough for the school and good enough for the neighbors. Yeah, they dropped the law on this so bad. Mm-hmm. Like, like they really did. The school didn't check. So they're supposed to check. If you leave school, they're supposed to check where you say you're going that you are going there. Yeah. Even back then. Yeah, and no, they didn't do it. That. So bullshit, man. They could have freaking had these stupid psychopaths. They just kept her records because they had nowhere to send them. And then they get destroyed after three years. So it's like nothing happened. Like she didn't even exist. So sad. Easter brought more questions. Rose Rose was not happy to see her former neighbors, Shirley and Tracy Giles, at the doorway. They had dropped by because Tracy was missing her very best friend, Charmaine. Mm -hmm. They said, could they see her? If it wasn't too inconvenient. Rose told Tracy coldly, no. Charmaine had gone to live with her mother in bloody good riddance. Oh, wow. Tracy was so upset by the news that she sat down and cried. Anna Marie comforted Tracy while Mrs. Giles spoke to Rose. She found out that Fred was still in prison and asked if if he could make her a caravan like the model Rose had displayed in the living room. Aww. Fred was released from prison. June 24th. Okay. Now I'm just going to get crazy. One of the first things that Rose tells him is that Charmaine was murdered. That's what Rose told Fred? When he gets home. Really? Mm-hmm. Fred, Fred was not angry. You know, not, not angry at all. So. Would this woman just murder your child? No, you know what? Maybe Rena got knocked up by somebody else. Is not even my kid, he said. What? That's his reaction. Yeah. Are you kidding? Oh, my God. When Rena didn't get into sleeping with other people until after they had the kid. Yeah. You know what I mean? To being a sex worker until after they had the kid. So, it's like, I don't believe that. Awful. He had never liked Charmaine, he said. So. How do you say that about your own child? Yeah. You know, I want to kick my children sometimes in the butt sometimes, but I always love them. How could you hurt a child like that? How? Eight-year-old, man. That eight-year-old, that's just like son's seven. I mean, that's... <sighs> you got to really be evil. Like, really evil. Now, Fred tells her about murdering... Uh, or tells her about... Yeah, Anna McFall. Oh, really? And possibly Mary. Bastown. Mm-hmm. So now they both know secrets about each other, you know? Now they're even closer together, buddy. Uh, murder just brings two couples together. Yeah, I mean, it's like... It's like a special oh, love wow. story. let's murder together and, like, you know, ruin our kids. Yes. I don't know. So now they're just going to go on a murdering spree. Yeah. But now they have to dispose of the body because she has not done this yet. Oh, really? So Rose led Fred down to the cellar where she kept Charmaine's body. Oh, my God. Just threw her body on a pile of coal. Oh, God. He carried the corpse up the stairs and dug a grave in the yard. Near the back door of the apartment. Oh, really? Like, <laughs> no one saw this. I really don't know. He was always doing work around the house, so I think that that kind of like, I don't know. Yeah, he's so. This is what, everybody's excuse was that, just yeah, so you know. That he's yeah, always yeah. busy, body. He's always busy digging holes and throwing little children in him. Yeah, I don't know how you get away with this. I mean, he laid Charmaine on her back in the hole with her arms stretched out. After his arrest in 94, Fred told police that he couldn't bring himself to dismember her body because she was so young and pure. When 
the pathologist came to put together Charmaine's bones in the mortuary, he was faced with a problem. The skeleton had collapsed inwards, leading him to believe that her grave may have been disturbed by building work over the past years. Okay. So he was, ha- but really what happened is that I think, but really what happened was he was having a hard time assembling the body because all the bones were there. That's what I think. Mm-hmm. What do you think? You think all the bones weren't there? No, they weren't all there, I don't think. Yeah. No, I know they weren't, but I'm yeah. saying I think he took them. They said that maybe the bones got disturbed, like moved because yeah, of yeah, stuff that, going on, like that working. Makes sense because he but, kept the other fingers or whatever. Yeah. Up with the fingers, yeah. So you want to know what was missing? Her toe bones, a mm-hmm. finger, and her kneecaps. All right. It is possible that Fred had removed these body parts for special purposes, even though Charmaine's corpse must have been stiff by the time he set to work. Yeah. It is also possible that Fred had cut Charmaine's legs off at the hip, an eight-year-old, remember this, despite, like, they had a pact of silence between them, you know, because they both know evil shit about each other. Like, Rose began, I don't want to say feel bad, I don't want to say feel bad, but stress that people were asking about Charmaine. Yeah. Thank God. And she decides to leave Fred. Okay. Because she's like, whatever, you know. Whatever, just killed your kid, I'm out. Yeah, oh, I just killed your kid, I'm out. So, this is one of two times that she actually leaves Fred. Okay. So, she takes baby Heather and goes to see, goes to Bishop's Cleave. Okay. And when she arrived at 96 Toby Field Road, Rose told her father that she was finished with Fred and wanted to come home. Uh-huh. But Bill was like, Still pissed that she didn't listen to him in the first place and told her, you made your bed? Now you lie in it. Oh, really? Later that same day, Fred appeared at the door and beckoned to Rose. Mm -hmm. Said, come on, Rosie, you know what we've got between us. He also added that unless Rose came back within 10 minutes, her place in his bed would be occupied by another woman. Oh, really? So this seemed to, like, get to Rose. Mm -hmm. And her mother is like, you can't do this. Like, this guy is psycho. You know what I mean? I don't know what she's saying, but she's saying that kind of stuff. Uh-huh. And she's yelling in the out in the yard, you don't know him. You don't know him. There's nothing he wouldn't do for me. Uh-huh. Even murder. Oh, jeez. That's the kind of man you want. You know what I mean? <laughs> Listen, I get it on the right circumstance. <laughs> Unbelievable, right? So Rose and him left the house. And that would be, with, like I said, one or two times that she tries to escape. When she had gone, Bill and Daisy talked about Rose and said that she was just high strung. And, you know, it would it'll all work out in the end. It'll all work out in the end, buddy. Rose regularly, buddy, entertained men at their apartment. Oh, really? And Fred derived great pleasure from watching her. Really? Like. What a sicko. And would, and would only get angry if she was not enthusiastic enough with the men. Oh, really? Like, you know, I mean, wow. enthusiasm is important, buddy. Yeah, of course it is. Okay. When someone else, you get mad. Uh, yeah, you, know, you got to get into it. <laughs> yeah, and now she also starts sex work. Okay. So that's good for extra money, buddy. You know that's what right. I mean? Hey, you know, you got to make a living. Kids are not cheap. Mm-hmm. So. I mean, you could just kill them. And, you know, oh, that's also free. true. That's also true. That's also true. Jeez. But. It's awful. It is. He wanted her to yell out and scream with enjoyment. Mm-hmm. When these guys were given a tour. Gotcha, yeah. 
Give him confidence. And if she had sex with a man while he was gone, Rose would have to tell him step by step everything that happened. And then they, if they, if it was really crazy, then they would act out as if he was the customer. Uh huh. And he referred to sex with Rose as, "What do you think, buddy?" Going off to Bunnyland. Oh, really? Going makes off sense. to Bunnyland because rabbits do it all the time. Yeah, that makes sense. Huh? They had sex almost every day. Like, it's so funny though. This little piece of shit, Fred. So he he could only go for a few moments, a mm-hmm. few short moments, mm-hmm. and then he would ejaculate. He was a one-pump chump, mm-hmm. which is very good because he's a piece of shit. Mm-hmm. Couldn't have him do a better But it's man. weird because he was a one-pump chump, but like normal sex, he wouldn't get off. He had to have that something extra. Oh, really? Yeah. Now Rose is getting interested in women. Okay. So now they could do threesomes, buddy. Hmm. Good for them. Yeah. Fred also loved using a vibrator on Rose aggressively. Okay. Tying her up and then just... You can imagine. Oh, God. But it was, I would say, bondage above all else that mm-hmm. turned him on. Rose often complained that there was never any foreplay with Fred, though. Aw. He just mounted her and came. Aw. Also, which I know the ladies are going to be like, oh, what the hell? You know, this guy, he will not go down. He's oh. squeamish about it. What a wussy. What a wussy. That's right. Many of Rose's customers were Caribbean Islander immigrants. Okay. And they were like outsiders. You know, I always said like his his landlord, you know, got along mm-hmm. with him because he's an outsider. Fred and Rose West would be one of the few English families that would actually make friends with these West Indian immigrants. Okay. And they are often just black guys. You know that, right? Okay. Just, just to say it. They're black guys. And this is what Fred loved the most is when Rose would sleep with a black guy. Okay. That was like his... Really, to get him off the best. You know? Oh, really? Yeah. So it's like, instead of one pump, it's like a half a pump. Yeah. <laughs> and he said that Jamaicans are more trustworthy than white men, and they, they have respect. Okay. I can see that. I'll give him that. One such friend was Ronaldo Harrison. He's a house painter, and he came to Britain from Jamaica in 1958 at the age of 22. Okay. They met when Fred carried out some repairs on his car, and they were just be, they were friends. They borrowed tools from each other, that kind of thing, mm-hmm. help each other with home mm-hmm. improvements. Okay. The bond between them was strengthened because Heather West and Ronaldo's daughter Denise had been born in the same month in the same hospital, oh. and were growing up together. Okay. Fred had a lot in common with the immigrants. He was a countryman from a little vi- village in Hertfordshire. And an outsider to people from the city. Same with, but it's funny because even like the people that he thinks are his friends, like just call him a country bumpkin. Mm -hmm. And he was slow-witted, they thought. Mm -hmm. As Ronaldo puts it, Fred was different to Gloucester people, which I can see that. He is a serial killer. Right. After Fred had disposed of Charmaine's body and, you know, they're back into like a normal routine. He turned his attention to the problem of his wife. Uh Rena was becoming an intolerable threat to his well-being because of her desire to see her daughter. Yeah. She had always worried about Fred, like, mistreating the girl, and she had kept in some sort of touch with him, you know what I mean? Uh But, so she quickly found out that that Charmaine was not there. Yeah. 
And she's like, where the hell is she? Yeah. I mean, and this is where they're like, okay, we can't let her find out, you know, that she's dead. Mm-hmm. So what do you think they tell her? That she ran away? She ran away, but she's happier. And Rena buys it. Well, sometime later, in an attempt to placate her, Fred agreed to take Rena to see Charmaine. Oh, really? She got into the car, you know, thinking that she's going to be reunited with her daughter. Oh, my God. But Fred took her to a bar quick, got her extremely drunk, and then he strangled her to death. Oh, my God. Are you kidding me? No, I mean, I'm serious. I'm not kidding. I would never care about this, buddy. <laughs> That's awful. Like, so... <sighs> he's crazy, man. He murders the daughter. How does she talk her into going to a bar? It's like, I'm going to see your daughter that you've been trying to see for a while. Let's go to a bar first. Like... How does that yeah, happen? Doesn't really work. She wants to be maybe she's an alcoholic or something. This is it could be. It is yeah. like really weird that like I've never ever when I've had, like had I have like eight kids with eight different mothers. I've never <laughs> been like, let me go to the bar. Let's go to the bar. You know what I mean? Yeah, before I see my kid that I haven't seen in probably years. Yeah. yeah no. No. It's weird. Wow, it's awful. not known where you murdered her, mm-hmm. but probably in the car. Well, she because he did people have seen them at the bar together, and she's like extremely drunk, mm-hmm. and. Yeah, it's like really, he may have constricted her breathing by inserting a pipe in her throat because a short pipe was found with her remains with a child's toy. That's so sad. So she had gotten a toy she for her kid. She got a toy for her, yeah. That is really sad. It's awful. What kind of person? Uh, obviously psychopaths. Serial killers. That's what kind of person. Yeah. Fred had to dismember her body. To do this... And to be able to enjoy it, Fred needed a place where he would not be disturbed, you know? Be able to enjoy it. Yeah. Oh, my God. A place where he could take his time. So, Fred took Karina back to the house where he could make as much mess as he wanted down in the basement. Oh, God. He cut her body up exactly like Anna McFall was dismembered. Mm-hmm. And he said he dis- disarticulated her legs at the hip. And removed her left kneecap and 35 finger and toe bones were not, were not with the body. Oh, wow. When Fred had finished, he put her remains into the bags and put the bags into the car. Late at night, Fred drove out in the hills and he stopped the car like a few, few feet away from like a famous baseball field near there. Mm-hmm. Or not baseball field, soccer field. Okay. Football field. Football field. Football field. And um, he goes there and... He said that, I know I feel bad for Fred right now, but he's struggling a little bit with the weight of her body. Oh, my God. Poor, that poor guy. Maybe he shouldn't you know, murder her. Not easy, buddy. I mean, maybe you should think about Fred more instead of being selfish. I know, right? Poor Fred. He chose a spot next to like a hedgerow where he felt that he would not be disturbed and dug a deep pit. Mm-hmm. He put parts of her corpse in together and then other parts not there. So... It's like, I don't know, this is freaking crazy. This is freaking crazy. So, then he fills it back up and went to the car. Done and over with. In the months following Rena's death, nobody reported her to the police as missing. So sad. That's super sad. And just like Anna McFall, there's no record of anyone looking for her. Oh, really? Not even health visitors, who should have known about Rena and checked in on her welfare because of her children being fostered. So, this is like... What are they called? Red flag number 99? Yeah, exactly. Right? Red flag. Yeah. She was also supposed to 
sign up this thing, like not probation, but it's called an at-risk register. Okay. And she didn't register, so they should have came then. And they yeah. didn't. And it, it's like nothing. Like they're like, why didn't why didn't you then do this? Why didn't you then do that? And they just over and over and over again just didn't do what they're supposed to do. It's awful. He's so lucky. This is like the that's why I said when I freaking was writing this, I'm like, this is the luckiest serial killer. Yeah. It's not because he was smart. He's lucky. Yeah, exactly. Because he definitely didn't do anything smart. No. Not a thing. So it's like usually the smart ones have like super high key, high IQs and everything and they meticulously plan it out. Yeah, exactly. Just doing it all by luck. I agree. November 1971, a mother named Elizabeth Edges moved into a flat at 24 Midland Road, the house right next to Fred and Rose. Okay. Elizabeth was married to a Maltese man, but was bringing up the children on her own. Mm-hmm. Fred first saw this pretty young woman as she struggled to get a chair up the steps. Mm-hmm. He gallantly offers to help, of course. Of course. course. He's such a good guy. And soon was charming her into coming in to meet Rose and have some tea, mm-hmm. with the exception of her mother. Their neighbor had few relations in the area, with her husband living many hundreds of miles away. So Elizabeth's, like, lonely. Mm-hmm. And she began to visit Fred and Rose. Absolutely. You know, friendly neighbors, why not, right? Yeah, they are. Fred explained that their arrangement, he was frank with people, you know what I mean? Okay. Rose was his girlfriend, and his wife had moved back to Scotland, mm-hmm. obviously. Elizabeth got on well with Rose, who looked to her like she thought she was like 14. She would drop in every day and go see these people. You know, they're like, they'd become really good friends. Okay. Fred would often go out at night saying he wanted to see what he could bring home. Well, Elizabeth okay. didn't think anything of it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. What he could bring home, like women or. Yeah. <laughs> Unwilling. More, more, more bodies. You know? Yeah. <laughs> she didn't hesitate when Fred and Rose asked her to babysit for them. She did this on two occasions. The first time, Fred and Rose returned at a normal time. But on the second occasion, they did not get back until the next morning. Oh, really? So she's like, where have you been? Did you go anywhere nice? Just, you know, trying to get to the bottom of it. Mm -hmm. Fred said that they had been driving around looking for young girls. He said it was easier if Rose was with him because the girls would think it was safe to get in the car. (laughs) That's what he said? To her, yeah. To the babysitter. God. If he could get a good, a young girl between 15 and 17, hopefully she'll be a virgin. Oh, my God. And I could get more money for a virgin. The, oh, the girls had the opportunity to come and live with Fred and Rose. Oh, my God. And be into the game if they wanted to. Jesus Christ. Fred and Rose added that they preferred to pick up runaways, of course, because they had nowhere to go. Yeah, of course. Who Can you imagine if you're like... We're babysitting for somebody, and they're like, they, they said this, this? no, really, we're really like a donor looking for girls. Be like, <laughs> young girls at that. I mean, no, what is going on? I'd be like, oh my God, I would call the cops, first of all. Yeah, exactly. I'd go right home. I would the definitely call the cops. be like, hey, this is what this guy just told me. But she's lonely, and they're her friends. Mm-hmm. So she didn't believe it, because Fred was always talking shit, and they're such a nice couple, mm-hmm. you know, that she's like, Fred was always joking, you know, mm-hmm. so she's like, so she continues her friendship with the neighbors. But then, several months later, she made another shocking discovery about them. She was alone with Rose in the kitchen one day, and Rose sexually propositioned her. Mm -hmm. Rose confided that Fred was in love with her and wanted to have sex. Okay. In fact, Rose continued, Fred wanted to have sex with both of them together in the same bed. Rose went on to tell her neighbor all the details about their unconventional life together. 
She said that she was a sex worker and boasted of the amount of men that she had sex with on a regular basis. Uh-huh. Showing Elizabeth the condoms she used and the special pills shaped like sugar cubes that she believed would prevent her from contracting venereal diseases. Oh, really? He probably bought sugar cubes. Yeah. Gave yep. them to her and been like, here, honey, this will get rid of it. You know what I mean? I guarantee it. And Fred was all for this. And he would watch Rose through a spy hole in her bedroom. If he were out when she was with a man, she had to describe exactly what happened when she got home. When he got home. Um, Elizabeth's husband returned from Malta. And one evening, the couple visited Fred and Rose together. Uh-huh. So she goes over there with her husband. When Elizabeth put her arm around her husband, Fred got out of his seat, stormed it. Stormed at them. Oh, really? That he was so pissed. Yeah. <laughs> so she like gets up, storms like at them, yeah. and then they're like, "Well, what's the matter?" And he's like, "Your husband should be six feet under fucking there." And the points to oh the ground. Oh my god! Oh jeez! He said, "I can't have you. Nobody can have you." Oh wow! Can you freaking imagine, dude? Oh my god! And Elizabeth's like, "You're nuts." And so she said to him, "Yeah, I bet." And then Fred produced a pair of handcuffs and snapped them roughly around her wrist. Oh, really? Saying, now I fucking got you. But Rose pulled him off and freed the neighbor. Thank God. It oh was several God. days before Elizabeth visited Fred and Rose again after that. I'm surprised she visited at all. Yeah, me too. She really must be lonely. When she did, Fred was still insistent that they go to bed together. Fred said he would like to tie me to the bed, and I could tie him to the bed. Burn him or whip him. Anything I want. Rose encouraged her to carry on. They were really close, you know, Rose and her. They had become really close. And she looked at it like, these people are just the type of people that don't hide anything. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They have nothing to hide. Mm-hmm. So, like, they're just really open. Yeah. And she thought that that was, like, something that kind of drew her to them. Not because of the sex, but because they're so, they're, like, not lying about she's, she's She's not thinking he's a serial killer, either. No, not at all. Not at all. So, one night... Elizabeth was given the, her cup of tea, and she began to feel drowsy yeah. and passed out completely. Mm-hmm. When she woke up, she was in bed with Fred and Rose, who were both naked. She was told that Fred had raped her while she was unconscious. Fred and Rose helped their neighbor get dressed and then took her and her baby son home. Oh, my God. What a nightmare. Jesus Christ. Anna Marie and toddler Heather. We're always within yards of all these scenes. No. The rapes and the... Yeah. That's awful. Like, even Elizabeth noticed that the kids were extremely badly neglected. Uh-huh. The baby, in particular, was just constantly in a soiled diaper. Uh-huh. Constantly. And Rose's sex work, Fred's voyeurism, and, like, all this shit's going on, you know what I mean? And these kids are like... It's so sad. These kids are so young. And now they're being, like, forced to open up that sexual door. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like, you shouldn't even know about this kind of stuff until you're a teenager. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, my God. Like, that is, like, really messed up for a kid. Anna Marie is now eight. And her father started to ponder the pleasure that she could give him. God. Fred and Rose told Elizabeth that Anna Marie had lost her virginity in an accident. In when, an accident? Yeah. When she fell off her bike. And the handlebar actually went in her vagina. Right, because that happens. And they had to take her to the hospital because of it. Mm-hmm, that happens. Whether they were testing their neighbor to see if she was interested in pedophilia or what, 
it's like nobody will ever know. You know what I mean? Oh my god! But they did take her to the hospital with that story. January 29th, 1972. Fred and Rose finally become man and wife. And celebrations are on. Yeah. Oh my gosh! They did not tell their families about this, and service was conducted secretly, just as Fred's first marriage had been. None of their friends or family were invited to this. Back in Gloucester, Fred and Rose started to plan their future together. They decided that they needed a, a house large enough, large enough, in which to raise a family, buddy, but which would also have separate facilities to enable Rose to continue her work as a sex worker. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. A broken down place for Fred to renovate mm-hmm. and modify to their own requirements. That would be perfect. Sure, why not? And to help pay for it, they would take in bed and breakfast lodgers. Okay, yeah. It was not long before Fred found exactly what he was looking for. First B&B, huh? <laughs> Airbnb. Number 25, Carmel Street. And it's so freaking messed up. Fred and Rose also invited Elizabeth to come and live at the house. Of course. Mm-hmm. Saying that she could go on the game with Rose. <laughs> the game. And they could get, they knew how to get Social Security to pay her rent. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, okay. But Fred made it clear that she would have to leave her husband first. Mm-hmm. To help pay the bills, the Wests took in lodgers, installing a cooker and wash basin on the first floor landing so the tenants would not have to come downstairs to where the West family lived. Mm-hmm. The family had also grown, buddy. Oh, oh really? Fucked up. The, the family had also grown, buddy. Oh, really? As one of Fred's illegitimate children from Scotland, the boy named Stephen. Came to live with his father. Oh, really? Oh, Stephen, you should have stayed away. You really should have. Oh, really? One of the first lodgers was an 18-year-old named Benjamin Staneland. He shared a room on the top floor of the house with Alan Davis, who was about the same age. Uh When Benjamin was in bed one night, Rose slipped in beside him, and they had sex together. Oh, really? She also had sex with Alan. She's like, oh, you're there too? Why not, right? God. So in the me- in the morning, the boys were worried about like meeting their landlord because of this, but apparently it wasn't a problem because she discussed it with Fred and he didn't seem to mind. Jeez. Benjamin said the young or the young lodger began to bring a brunette girl, Lynette Goff, or no, Lynette Goff, back to the house. Uh-huh. Linda was a short, short girl who wore like glasses and. She had jewelry on. She looked really good, you know. She's looking good. She was the daughter of a fireman, John Goff, and his wife June. Linda, it was a difficult childhood. Okay, she had she had a difficult childhood, and she had recently left her private school in Midland Road for children with learning problems. Okay, at age sixteen, with not no qualifications at all, she goes to work at a seamstress for a co-op store in Barton Street, and there is where she meets. Benjamin Stanlin. By the time Linda reached the age of 17, her parents had noticed a change in her behavior. She made it clear to us that she did what what she did was her business. So she's like trying, you know, you know how kids are that age. They want to show that they're an adult and Uh go out on their own. There's nothing wrong with that. You know what I mean? So Linda had that relationship with Benjamin Stanlin. And after they had broke up, she was with other men that were staying there, you know what I mean? Other lodgers at the house. So, as a result, Linda became friendly with Fred and Rose, who explained that they needed a nanny for their children, 
Mm-hmm. It would prove to be a fateful meeting. Rose is in need of extra help. And because she's pregnant again and having a hard time with these kids. She doesn't even like kids. So in June 1972, Rose gave birth to her second child by Fred. Jeez. A baby girl, May. I'm there sure were now. Fred's? <laughs> no, definitely. Oh, watch. There were now four children in the household. It was later claimed that Rose West's trial that she had come back from the hospital to find that Red, Fred, was sleeping with the former neighbor, Elizabeth. Oh, really? But Elizabeth, to this day, denies it. Uh-huh. That she ever did anything willingly, you know what I mean? But nobody denies that at this time it was a free-for-all at this house. Yeah, I can imagine. Jeez. Oh, I mean, really. Unbelievable. One day, during the summer of that year, their first year at Cromwell Street, Anna Marie was led down to the cellar by her father oh, no. and stepmother. Oh, no. Fred had soundproofed the cellar. The first victim would be his own eight-year-old daughter. Oh, God. When Anna Marie came down to the cellar, she found it was dimly lit by an electric lamp. The door closed and locked behind her. Oh, my God. Fred told his daughter that he was going to help her. He said that he was about to do his duty as a father. Jeez. (laughs) Anna Marie saw, like, a glass bowl, some cloths, a vibrator, and tape on the floor. She asked what they were for, but there was no response. Rose removed Anna Marie's clothes. Anna Marie started to cry. Uh And they told her that you should be grateful, and you are very lucky that you have parents that love you enough to help you with this. Oh, my God. They were going to... Help me and make sure that when I got married, I would be able to satisfy my husband and keep my husband. And Anna Marie, this angel, has made this, and she talks about this. She said she was led to believe that all loving parents were doing this. Rose sat on Anna Marie's face while Fred forced his daughter's legs open. Oh, Jesus Christ. Fred raped his daughter while Rose watched. And then they gave her the bowl and the sponge to clean herself up. Oh, my God. She thought it was excruciatingly painful. Out of all of this is one of the good things that came from this. You know what I mean? She was not, did not let this define her entire life. You know what I mean? She's totally separate from them people. And that's totally, totally separate from the scumbags. That's that's, that's awesome. That's, that's fantastic. She can pick herself up after this. Yeah. And it's like, it really goes to show how good or how like, how much resilience a child has. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Really. Like an adult, if this happened to an adult, I feel like it, it like they, they wouldn't be able to handle it. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Or they would, but you know what I mean? Like children are so resilient and like, even though this is a horrible thing and this should never happen to a child. Never. This girl survived this. She outlived her parents. She freaking is separate from that whole situation. I don't know how to explain it. So separate from, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like her good in her life means nothing to these people, you know? And, that's that's a positive silver, silver line right out of this, I guess you could say. I mean, it's, it's better like, than like, you know, you find out that she's like a, I don't know, saying bad, but you know, she, you find out she's she, like she does, continued the uh, the horrific because uh, I mean this this all went from. Yeah, from you're right. I didn't even think of that. To, yeah, she broke the cycle. Yeah, I didn't even think of that. Yeah, that's amazing. So this went on and on. I mean, you can imagine this is not the the last time that they'll do this to her. I think we're going to end it there, buddy. So we will continue this next week. And. Do we have to? And get to some more murders. <laughs> they're, they're literally, literally 
evil, evil incarnate. Oh, they're, they're complete evil, and just like, like, what is wrong with them? Like, there's no one should be doing these things. No one should be having to deal with these things. Like, oh my god! I mean, I literally uh, didn't even. I didn't even read. I have one, two, three paragraphs of them going on and on with the ship. I just skipped it because it's just like so depressing. No, I, I'm glad you did because like my stomach, like I, I quivered. I, I. The only oh. thing I can say is that she survived. She's better than them. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And you know what? You can survive horrible things. I've survived horrible things. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? It's like you. Life does move on. You know, it's as hard as it is to believe when you th- hear something like that. Life will go on if you're a strong individual that. Can just break past that cycle and never do that again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It never it ends with them. You know what I mean? It ends yeah. with them. So that's like, yeah, and that's. Uh, I can say that for all their children. It ended with them. You know what I mean? The cycle did not continue. That is awesome. Yeah, that is a good thing. So it's like, who knows how many generations that was happening? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Their parents did it to them. Yeah, yeah you're you're probably right. Yep. So I'm sure their parents. They, you know, they learned it from somewhere. So a hundred percent. Like, mm-hmm. I, if you did that, you probably had it done to you. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. It's like what they say, like. Like every molester, everybody molested doesn't become a molester, but everybody that is a molester has been molested, molested. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like that. And it's like, you can break the cycle. I do it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it just, it makes you stronger. Mm-hmm. You know? Agree. And it's a horrible thing to do to a child, though. I'll just say this too, because it completely warps. You're, it's like you finally learn that you're not safe anymore. You're really not safe no, in this absolutely. world. Especially in your own your own parents you're doing something like this like these are the people that are supposed to look out for you yeah it, it really it makes you that's like uh, i mean that's probably where a lot of my anxiety comes from you just when you you see how dangerous it really is in this world it's so early in life it just does something to you yeah, but it can also make you stronger i mean i i believe it made me stronger i really do mm-hmm. I, I don't care what anybody says i, I believe it made me stronger yeah yeah i so, agree um yeah we'll end it there buddy and next week we will get to like 14 more murders. <laughs> Jeez. Looking forward to it. Buddy, you have something to say to people. Come on. Obviously. I mean, especially after ending with this one. I mean, geez, take the time to tell the ones that you hold dear that you love them. Make sure you do that tonight. And we love you. We love you all. I'm going to cry a little bit now. Hi, welcome to The Jury Room, a true crime podcast. My name is Kevin, and I will be your host on this journey. We will be covering some of the most heinous, some of the most unthinkable, and some of the most monstrous crimes to ever be committed against humanity. We will be covering cannibalistic serial killers, decades-old unsolved mysteries, cold cases, missing person cases, and everything in between. The Jury Room Podcast is available on most major podcasting platforms. Please make sure you go subscribe and leave a review.